Uh, let, let's look this morning at, uh, oh, I mean, it's going to be, uh, it's all God's Word. Uh, anyway, but let's look at uh, oh, how I know God will help me. This is Psalm 16. And, uh, and I like, I love the King James. Yeah, I, it seems like because it's in the King James, part of my, uh, part of my ministry is translation, <laughs> you know. But you can read this, and, and if you have the Bible on audio, maybe on on tape or whatever, and and I get tickled at listening to these people because uh, many times they do it because they feel that it's supposed to be serious. You know, you have a serious tone to it. So I'll add a serious tone here. Psalm 16, verse one. This is the way I hear it on these tapes and stuff. Preserve me, O God. For in thee do I put my trust. Do you think I would walk up to my mother if I needed something and talk to her that way? Mom, please help me financially. <laughs> we wouldn't do that. But in church sometimes we talk this way and we miss the whole thing because out of reverence to God, we feel that's reverence. But the problem is you can reverence God, but if you reverence the Lord and forget you're his child, you're going to be in trouble. So you don't need to uh, assume that your uh, reverence to the Lord is how you come into his presence. You get to come into his presence because of the blood of Jesus. But anyway, uh, David didn't mean any of that in that tone. Uh, uh, notice verse 1, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Now, he could not be talking about going to heaven. He's talking about a problem that's going on in his life right now. Verse 2, O my soul... Thou hast said unto the Lord. So this is you talking to the Lord. Thou art my God. My goodness extendeth uh, not to thee. Now, I want us to switch over to the Living Bible. Help us out a little bit. Because verse 2 is kind of confusing right this. Let's go to the Living Bible. See what we get. <clears throat> Notice this. Oh, save me. Wow, okay. Save me, O God, because I come to you for refuge. Now, remember, he's not talking about going to heaven. <clears throat> okay. Verse 2, I said unto you, you are my Lord. I have no other help but yours. Uh, he says in verse 3, I want the company of godly men and women in the land. Oh, uh, uh, They are truly, uh, excuse me, they are the true nobility. Those choosing other gods will be filled with sorrow. You know, I will not offer sacrifices they do or even speak the names of their gods. Now, let's catch something out of verse 4. Those choosing other gods shall be filled with sorrow. Now, I tell you, in our nation, we have, um, how do we say this? We have a, we accept trouble too often. We think it's part of our life. We think, well, if this doesn't break, something else will. I have to get used to it. In other words, God is sort of uh, wanting me to have sorrow. Well, then why did David say this one? He said, those choosing other gods shall be filled with sorrow. See, that's not true. The Bible says, in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Well, of course, unless he's down because something bad happened. God doesn't look at things that way, thinking that something bad's happened and something bad's going to happen to you. No, the Bible says the path of the righteous is brighter and brighter till the full day. I mean, we should, just anytime sorrow comes knocking at your door, matter of fact, the scripture says, oh, when it says, oh, in James chapter 5, let me just turn over there to that real quick. I'm going to show you this. Uh, it says, is any of you afflicted? Watch this. And, I, and it's like, you know when you start doing these things, the Bible starts making sense. Jesus starts making sense. Uh, let's see, I'm in there. Let me get back to this. 
James chapter 5, this is a little checklist. What do you do? It's kind of neat. Oh, okay, James chapter 5, here we go. Oh, uh, let's see what we got here. Yeah, look at this. Is any among you afflicted? Now, do we need help understanding what that means? I think we know. I'll switch to the Living Bible in a moment. But look what he says do. Let him pray. Notice he didn't say, learn to put up with it. No, that's the word he made our mistake. Don't put up with it. Pray. Oh, praise God. Let's switch this to the King James. I mean, to the Living Bible just a moment. Oh, uh, let's see. That was verse, uh, should go right to it. Well, it didn't. Oh, uh, here we are. Look at this, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? You know, that's wide open. What kind of suffering? If you think you're suffering, you're suffering. He should keep on praying about it. One of it. Keep on praying about it. In summary, the Syrophoenician woman that Jesus said, uh, you know, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. She wouldn't quit. She said, Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs. Then there was the man that came to his friend's house at midnight and said, hey, I had a guest come over. A friend of mine has come over. Uh, would you please give me some bread and whatever? And the guy says, I am not going to do it. My kids are in bed. We're, we're going to sleep. But Jesus said because of his persistency, he wouldn't quit. He says, that man will get up. And he said, it's not because he's his friend. It's because he wants to go sleep. He'll give him all he wants. Then there was the, the woman that was, uh, she went to the unjust judge. Remember that? And the judge says, I'm not going to help you. But he says, look, this woman keeps bothering me. He says, he'll help her. And then Jesus says, uh, shall not God avenge his very own. So if you're in trouble whatsoever, take a tip from the book of Psalms. It doesn't matter. It is very personal between you and God. Take your problems and say, Lord, you've got to get me out of this mess. Help me, Lord. And he will. He will. He certainly will. Now go back to Psalm 16. Oh, let's see. Psalm 16 again. Ah, there we are. Okay. Oh. So he says in verse 4, you know, that those that are, 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 are trusting other gods, they're going to be filled with sorrow. Um, he says, the Lord himself is my inheritance, my prize. He is my food and drink, my highest joy. He guards all that is mine. Praise God. I tell you what, we live in a society that uh, we lock the doors, and that's good. And uh, we lock the house, and that's good. And we keep track of everything, but guess what? You can't keep track of it all at all times. And remember, we always say that just that lock just keeps honest people out, you know. Because if somebody really wants it, they're going to break in. But guess what? God will protect all that's yours. I know there's been times that I have left stuff at certain places, and I came back, and it was still there. It never was touched, except the very back. I mean, God just, he will... You know, there's so many things that we can we can all get worried about, and your worries will distract you. You know, I mean, just we can, and it's just simple mistakes you can make. So, <gasps> I left my keys in the car. Well, I know, but what are you going to do? Call the police? Oh, I'm going to call the police. I tell you what you can do because it's bothering you. Pray. You know. Matter of fact, um, I was uh, I was talking with my dad the other day, and. Uh, he had the key to the tractor in his hand, and he just noticed it. And he said, how did I start that tractor? And I said, you must have had a key in it. And that was one of his high-dollar tractors. He had the key, and it left over there in Harvest, Alabama. You know, praise the Lord. You know, these are not accidents. God will, uh, we're going to take him at his word. No wonder he says he's my highest joy. I tell you what, David 
was, and, and we and we are too. When you pray, you can't help but have joy. Jesus said, "Ask that your joy may be full." And that in, okay, how do you take that in in John sixteen, you know, verse twenty three and twenty four? Ask that your joy may be full. Well, guess what? Obviously, your joy is not full because you're having a problem. Well, you've got enough sense to know what is it that would make you happy. Well. I'd be happy if this problem wasn't around. Okay, well, pray that the problem goes away. And then you'll notice why Jesus said that your joy may be full. He goes on to say in verse 24, Hitherto, King James, or up to now, you'll find yourself. You know, it's been two days and I had not prayed. Pray, pray, and watch what God's done. So no wonder Psalm 16, he says, He will guard all this mine. Verse 6, He sees that I'm given pleasant brooks and a meadow as my share. What a wonderful inheritance. Now think of Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I mean, God delegates. I mean, he, he, your life is so, he's got it um, so covered up with good things. But a lot of times we think when we open up the window of the new day, oh, no, it's going to be a nightmare of a day. If it looks like a nightmare of a day, that's when you pray and say, Lord, I've been guaranteed by you that this is not going to happen. And I could go anywhere in the Bible from here, but I want you to know, Lord, you said I'm blessed. And you cannot reverse it. I'm not going to wake up today and find out I'm cursed. I'm blessed. So when I walk out these doors, I'm going to be blessed when I go out, and I'm going to be blessed when I come in. Sure, you feel like it's not going to happen, but we go by what God's Word says. Uh, look down at verse 7. I will bless the Lord who counsels me. He gives me wisdom in the night. You ever felt like, I don't know what to do. What do you mean? Same thing James says. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraid us not. In other words, God's not going to say, well, I'm going to tell you what you really need to know here, but I am so put out with you. I am so put out with you. The way you live your Christian life, I don't even want to talk to you. See, sometimes that's the way we think God is when we're going by what we feel like. I don't feel like he loves me. That's, don't ever put your feelings on uh, as the guard of your life. In other words, as the ruler of your life saying, this is, this is the way the Lord is. No, you're supposed to go by God's word. Because no, you certainly will get confused. So he says, I'll bless the Lord who counsels me. He gives me wisdom in the night. He tells me what to do. Verse 8, I'm always thinking of the Lord because he is so near. I never need to stumble or fall. Now, the reason I wanted to use Psalm uh, uh, Psalm 16 here is because um, these next few verses right here, he says, heart, body, and soul are filled with joy. For you will not leave me uh, among the dead. Oh, let me go to uh, uh, the King James here and switch back over here. Oh, uh, well, did I pass? Yeah, I did pass. Here it is. Yeah. Oh, uh, verse nine. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my go and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. I don't have the New Living Bible. We were using the Living Bible, but uh, the New Living Bible actually says right here. It says that I wish I had it. I would show it to you up here, but it says. You will keep my body safe. And then he talks about when I pass away, he says, uh, you know, you will not leave my soul in hell, neither shall you suffer the Holy One to see corruption. That's prophesying about Jesus. Uh, but notice here, here's that verse that we've heard so often. Thou will shew or show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. You know, at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Praise God. This is, I think that's the end of this psalm, isn't that right? Verse, verse 7, I mean, chapter 6, yeah, that's the end of it. So what do we do with this? Well, what you do with it is you know that, you know what, God's going to help me. He really is. 
There's no way he's not going to help me. Now, let's compare this with, let's go to Matthew. And in Matthew's gospel, Matthew is recording here an incident. Um, uh, there are multitudes of people here. And with all these people there, Jesus is talking about, you know, judge not lest you be judged, you know. And then he says about uh, trying to get the little speck out of your brother's eye, okay. But then if you keep going, look down here at verse 7. Why all of a sudden does he switch gears, shall we say, and start talking about prayer? Because, see, this is where we are in life. We've got troubles that we're faced with, and we go from smiling to being upset. And we're like, golly, when it rains, it pours. But Jesus says this. Uh, me. He says, uh, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Now, what does he mean by that? <clears throat> Verse 8. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. It was like when Phil was talking about his friends that I want to know the secrets of this thing. Phil told him, well, this is all I do. That's all you got to do. Notice verse 9. Or what man is there of you who if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? In other words, switch it around. Or do nothing. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? I'll tell you what. Sometimes we get some crazy ideas that if I pray about my car, you know, the difficulties I have, or I'll pray about my finances, you know, God's really not going to help. Yes, he will. <clears throat> Verse 11, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more, oh, uh, let me get to it here, oh, uh, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, <clears throat> give good things to them that ask him? See, <clears throat> God's not sitting out there uh, saying, well, <clears throat> I'll do what I want to do when I want to do it. No, it's actually the other way around. When you and I begin to use our faith and say, Lord, I've got to have your help, we're going to find the Lord's there. Let me show you a little story here in the book of John. Let me get down here to it. Uh, this is John chapter 4. Uh, let's see. Oh, where am I at? Okay. Oh, I rolled back around, didn't I? Hang on a second. Uh -huh. A little bit too far. Okay. Uh -huh. All right. Yeah, here we are. Now watch this. <clears throat> now after two days, now I always just think about what purpose did this serve? I mean, uh, if it weren't for just trying to help this man. In other words, you can slide your feet right into the same shoes that this fellow has and get the same results. Okay. Uh, I clicked it off. I lost the spot. Here we go. Hang on. I'm right there. Okay. Now, after two days, he departed since and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. In other words, he kind of went to his hometown. <clears throat> anyway, Oh, let's see. Oh. oh, when he was come to Galilee, uh, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that Jesus that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went into the feast. Oh, so he comes again unto Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, 
And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, I'm going to switch to the uh, Living Bible right here. And let's see if we can help ourselves out. Okay. Now, in verse 47. Okay. Uh, here we go. In the course of his journey through Galilee, he arrived at the town of Canaan, where he had turned the water into wine. Now, we know that story. While he was there, a man in the city of Capernaum, a government official, whose son was very sick. Well, sometimes hard times follow. This must be a sad story. And no, we already know the Bible stories and accounts of Jesus meeting bad situations. He turns every one of them around. We had a guy fall out of the window in the book of Acts. Oh, no, right there in the middle of the church service. He fell three stories high and was taken up dead in the book of Acts. But he didn't die, did he? Because Paul went down there and he prayed for him. He didn't say, you know, sometimes bad things happen. No! Paul prayed for him, we find out. He said his life is still in him. And I tell you what, that boy came back to life. You can read that for yourself in the book of Acts. So here's a story here. A governor official whose son was very sick. He heard that Jesus was come from Galilee. Excuse me, was come from Judea and was traveling in Galilee. This man went over to Cana and found Jesus. And he begged him to come to Capernaum with him and heal his son who was now at death's door. Now, why didn't this guy already figure out that sometimes Jesus will help you and sometimes he won't? No. He was just like any of us. But he had figured out that Jesus would help him. Notice what Jesus said. Verse 48. Uh, Jesus asked, won't any of you believe... Gee, uh, what switches this electronic stuff? Hang on. Down to 48. Uh, won't any of you believe in me unless I do more and more miracles? This official pled, said, Sir, please come now before my child, my child dies. Then Jesus told him, Go back home. Your son is healed. What? So look at this. The man believed Jesus and started home. Now, did Jesus answer his prayer? Yes, he did. If you've got a prayer out there today, get ready for your answer. I mean, it's the only way to take the Bible is what he says. I'm reminded of Abraham when Abraham was trying to get his nephew Lot out of what? Sodom and Gomorrah, before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Abraham kept talking to God, and he was saying, you know what, God, uh, because God said he was going to destroy those, those cities. And Abraham said, well, if there's 50 righteous there, you won't destroy it. And God says, no, I won't destroy it. Abraham says, well, what about if there's 40? <laughs> no, God says, I won't destroy it if there's 40 righteous. What about the 30? And Abraham got it all the way down to 10. Abraham thought there had to be at least 10 there, thinking about at least his brother, I mean his nephews and family. But you know what happens? Um, God says, no, I won't destroy it if there's 10 righteous. There weren't 10 righteous there. But guess what God did? He knew Abraham wanted his nephew and then protected him. That's when we have the story about Lot and Lot's wife. Remember that? The angel went down there and rescued them and took them out. Yeah. God will get them out for you. He really is. You just have to ask off the Bible, do what they did. Uh, so anyway, verse 50, he said, go back home, your son's healed. And the man believed Jesus and started home. While he was on his way, some of his servants met him. Now I want to stop again. Why do we have all these details? Why is this story in here? If it wasn't for us to say, you know what, I bet you God will do that for me. Yes, he will do that for you. And it doesn't have to be so serious that your son's about to die, or you're about to die. You could have, what are you doing? I've got an axe in my hand, cutting down a tree. 
I'm right next to the Tennessee River. Or the Tennessee River is back this way. And I rear back, and guess what happens? This happened in the Book of Kings. The axe head. What's that doing in the Bible? Well, you know what it's doing in the Bible. This guy goes, oh no, it was borrowed. Oh no, you broke something. You ought to pray. Anyway, the man of God was there. You can read this for yourself in Second Kings. Elisha, he said, where did it fall? And the, the, the young man said it fell right over in the river out there. He said, take a stick and throw it out there. So he took a stick and threw it out there. And what happened? This axe head, it floated. And the man said, walk out there and go get it. And then he goes on to the next part of the Bible. What's that in there for? It was in there because that axe head was borrowed and somebody was going to be in some deep trouble if they didn't find it. I'm telling you, we throw away our own blessings if we do this. But we're not going to do that. So anyway, back to this story. Go home, your son's healed. And the man believed Jesus and started home. Verse 51, when he was on his way, some of the servants met him with the news that all was well. His son had recovered. Verse 52, uh, he asked them when the lad had begun to feel better. And they replied, well, yesterday afternoon, about 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized it was at the same moment that Jesus told him, your son is healed. Praise the Lord. And the officer in his whole household believed that Jesus was the Messiah. I'm going to go to one other place here. Let's go to, I'm going to go back to King James. And uh, this time, I want us to go to, uh, uh, a little story that we're very familiar with. But you may have missed a few details here we're going to see. Let's go to, uh, yeah. You know where we're at. We're in Jonah. Okay. Wow. Now watch this. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. Now I mean, you can't get much lower than that. He's being digested. But let's see some of the words that Jonah used. Because as you already know, remember, the fish gave him up. Okay. He got out of there. Look at verse, verse, verse 2. And he said, I cried by reason of what? My affliction to the Lord. And this is what I think we miss it a lot of times. When you read the book of Psalms, it'll say, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. Sometimes we'll go, well, I don't know if the Lord ever hears my prayers. That's ridiculous. You've got to get rid of that. You've got to use your faith and say, now praise the Lord. When I pray, the Lord hears me. And then don't go, as, a, like, as we do, to be socially uh, uh, correct or whatever and try not to hurt anybody's feelings. Well, I don't want to say that uh, God will answer my prayer or he'll give me what I ask for, but I always know he hears me. No, you've got to know he hears you and that he will grant you what you ask for. Otherwise, boy, Jesus has got a lot of red tape to clean up with me because he said if you ask for it, he'll give it to you. He also told me to believe I receive when I pray. How can I believe I receive an item from the Lord and then at the same time i got to believe, well, I don't know if God wants me to have that. That's just, it's like ironic. Isn't that the word you use? So here's Jonah. I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. He heard me out of the belly of hell, <laughs> cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Look at the choice of words he uses. Now remember, I don't think it's like Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner or, or Popeye the sailor when he gets swallowed in a cartoon and he's cooked him in a little fire. He's got him a fire going in there and whatever. He's in the belly of this fish. I think it's pretty much realistic. He knows he's in the esophagus and now travel down to the stomach or whatever, and this is a horrible situation. And he's doing the right thing, crying to the Lord. 
Let's switch over to the uh, the King James. Just I mean, to the Living Bible. Just a moment. Get it down into uh, some Alabama language for it. Verse two. In my great trouble, I'll say, I cried unto the Lord, and He answered me from the depths of hell. I called, and Lord, You heard me! Exclamation point. You threw me into the ocean depth. I sank down unto the floods of water and was covered by your wild and stormy waves. Verse 4. Then I said, Lord, you have rejected me and cast me away. Now remember, Jonah knew why. Because Jonah was not going to be merciful. Jonah was like, I am an Israelite. I do not care about this other nation. And I'm not going to go preach to this other nation and help them repent because we do not like those people. Now there's a reason Jonah felt that way. Because that other nation had came in and killed Israelite people, killed babies. And so you got to understand, Jonah was having to deal with this. Like, God, I know what you're going to do. You're going to be merciful. Oh, can't stand God. He's so merciful. <laughs> God's going to be merciful to you. You just have to accept that. But a lot of times we'll say God's not going to be merciful to me. So anyway, verse 4. Then I said, Lord, you've rejected me. Cast me away. How can I ever see your holy temple? But now what uh, Jonah's doing here is he's bargaining and saying, Lord, you're not going to leave me down here. I'm going to get out of this. I sank beneath the waves, and death was very near. The waters closed above me. The seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I was down to the bottom of the mountain that rise from the ocean floor. I was locked out of life and imprisoned in the land of death. Now watch this. But, O oh Lord my God, you have snatched me from the yawning jaws of death. Verse 7. He's going to tell you what he did. I tell you, Jonah chapter 2 has saved me several times. It, 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 because when it gets hopeless, you're not supposed to think it's hopeless. Verse 7. When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. And my earnest prayer went to you in your holy temple. Now look at verse 8. Those who worship false gods have turned their backs on all the mercies waiting for them for the Lord. Let me quote this from the King James. The King James is kind of vague. It says, those that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. This here is implying that if you go to any other God, you will never get help. And if you go to our God, I don't care if you have made all kind of mistakes. We're talking Jonah not wanting to help a nation find Jesus Christ. I will not go preach to that nation. That's what Jonah gets swallowed by a whale. I mean, this is like, Jonah, hello. And even Jonah, we know, in chapter 4, had the little incident where the little tree grew up. And he was under the shade of it, and all of a sudden a worm comes and, and eats the tree or whatever, and that thing falls down. He's still been out of sex. Jonah eventually learns his stuff. But I tell you what, we all make mistakes. And this is so fantastic. Verse 8, those that, uh, that work at false gods have turned their backs on all the mercies waiting them for the, from the Lord. Look at verse 9. I will never worship anyone but you. For how can I thank you enough? Wait a minute. We only get one gift per year from the Lord. No, we don't. If you're hurting today, God will help you if you'll just pray. If you're hurting tomorrow when you wake up, God will help you. If you need a miracle, whatever, he'll help you. I will surely fulfill my promises. Now, what was his promise? I'll go to Nineveh. I'll preach. I get it. I'll go preach. For my deliverance comes from the Lord alone. I just get excited about this. And the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah upon the beach, and he did it. It was not an accident. 
You can find out what he did, just like that fellow wanting to know what Phil had done. I can't wait to hear this. You can go read this story and go, you know what, I am just like Jonah. I'm going to do what Jonah did. And you'll get the results that Jonah asked for. Let me, uh, let me my clock to this stuff. Uh, yeah, i got time for one more. I'm not going to spend that much time. I want to show you something. And th this stuff is just, this is the way the Bible's written. You cannot take the Bible and just assume that there's no promises in it for you. There, it's covered up. First Chronicles, I was reading this this week. Chapters, First Chronicles chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. I mean, it's got so much ancestry stuff. They've got the genealogy down to it. I mean, it's so-and-so's son was so-and-so, and so-and-so's son was so-and-so. Right in the middle of all this list, and I know you've heard me preach this before, but I want you to watch it, verse 10. All of a sudden, let's back up. It says, Nahar, whoever that is, bore uh, Ahazam, and Hefer, and Temanai, and whoever this is, and Heli bore Zerah, and Ishar, and Ethan, and Koaz was the father of whatever. Okay, first line, out of the blue. Look at this, out of the blue. Jabez was more distinguished than any of his brothers. What? His mother named him Jabez because she had a hard time at his birth, meaning distress. Verse 10. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. Look what he prayed. Oh, that you would wonderfully help those in Africa. No, he could care less about those in Africa. Some people think it makes you a better Christian if you pray for other people. You better pray for yourself. Because the devil is trying to destroy you. First Peter chapter five says, and then First Peter five says, and Christ Get the problems off you, then you can help the world. He says, "Oh, that you would wonderfully bless me and help me in my work." Let me switch back to the. Uh, uh, well, I'll just finish it up. Let's look about. Please be with me in all that I do, and keep me from all evil and disaster. Now, who are we to tell God to keep me? Well, a little trouble's got to come to all of us. No. He said, keep me from all evil and disaster. Look at that last phrase. And God granted him his request. Now, if we slide down a little bit, guess what? Verse 11, the descendants of Rechai were Shelob and whatever. And it goes in the descendants of whatever and the sons. What was all this about? If we don't take our pen and mark our Bible and go, whoa, what was all this about? That's the same prayer that you should use. Let me give it to you in the King James. We'll stop right here. I'll come. Thank Verse 10. And Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou would bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. In other words, I don't want to experience any bad things in my heart. You know, help me. Makes perfectly good sense. And God granted him that which he requested. And I tell you what, God will grant it to you too. I mean, what are we going to do? Say, God, I found something in the Bible and I know it was only for Jabez. And, and I'm sorry, I'm being selfish here wanting it for me. God could care less. He is so excited that you would do that. He wants you to pray this way. And you were supposed to show forth the praises of him, First Peter chapter 1. Peter even declared it. That's how the world knows what's going on. Think about Peter walking on the water. I'm going to stop. Just think about it. That is totally ridiculous. Everybody's in the boat. It was at night time. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. Peter said, if that's you, you tell me to come to you. Jesus said, come on. Peter gets out of that boat. Peter was, you know, he was 
used to the supernatural taking care of all of our problems. He said, I'm going to walk on this water just like Jesus. But remember what happened? On his way, he got to thinking, these are some pretty bad problems. And when he got his eyes off of Jesus, he was worried about that problem more than he was his answer. He started to think, but he corrected himself right at that moment. We got the idea that God takes a day or two. The Bible says that when, when Peter said, Lord, save me, the Bible says Jesus said, immediately stretch forth his hand. And you should look for that hand. Immediately, God, you're going to get me out right now. We don't have time to wait on 911 sometimes. We don't have time to call somebody. Sometimes your cell phone just went out of battery juice or whatever. You're going to need the Lord. And I'm telling you, the Lord's going to be there for you. Just like Jonah said, those that worship other gods or those that don't seek the Lord, man, they forsake their own mercy. We have that mercy today. Father, we thank you, Lord, by your strength for you. We thank you, supply every need. We're not going to find it to be here. Praise God. And what if there are any giants out there in the land trying to ruin our day, mess us up? Well, we can do what David said. David said in Psalm 18, Lord, I'll call upon the Lord. Whose words can pray, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Yeah. It's like he said, Lord, sometimes we don't have the power to fight something. But the Bible says it won't be you that fights, it'll be God. God's going to fight for us. So that's going to take care of us. And Lord, that doesn't leave anything left but for us just to tell others about Jesus. And that's what we're going to do. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay.